We can't change God's conclusions, but God can change us. Hmm? And that's what he did when we accept to save. He made us new creatures in Christ, or as Corinthians, 2 Corinthians 5 declares, verse 17, we are new creatures in Christ Jesus. Didn't patch us up, made us entirely, entirely new. And every sin must be forgiven and put away. As I said yesterday in closing up, the marvelous thing is the capacity God has to even forget, as Hebrews chapters 8 and 10 declare, their sins and their iniquities will I remember no more forever. And he promised that to Israel back in the Old Testament through Isaiah the prophet. Now we have in Hebrews 8, Hebrews 10. Marvelous thing. I can never get away from it, never get over it. That Christ died for me. He not only died for my sins, but he died for me, the sinner. Welcome to the Unchanging Word Radio Bible Study. Our teacher is Dr. John G. Mitchell, who was faithful for over 60 years in teaching the Word of God throughout the Northwest and Canada. Many were blessed by his Bible teaching, and today we invite you to share in those blessings by listening to the Unchanging Word Radio Bible Study. Our name, the Unchanging Word, is committed to the fact that God's Word has not changed. What God reveals in His eternal Word always has been and always will be true. God never changes. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Life begins at Calvary, there my Savior died. He took my place and by His grace came with me to abide. All I need for living is mine by just believing. Life begins at Calvary, life that never Thank you for being here with us on the Unchanging Word Bible broadcast, and Dr. Mitchell will now review our last lesson before looking at the finished work of Christ on the cross. And he rightly states, we cannot change God's conclusions, but God can change us. Dr. Mitchell also makes note of the eternal redemption purchased by Christ on the cross by his blood, and the threefold aspect of this finished work. First of all, redemption from sin. And secondly, reconciliation of the world to God. And thirdly, the propitiation of God's holy character. Eternal redemption is ours because of the cross of Christ. And let's thank God for His redemption. Dr. Mitchell shares the meaning of the three words for redemption as presented in the New Testament. Here is Dr. Mitchell on the Unchanging Word Bible broadcast. 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 18, presenting our redemption from sin. Yesterday we were taking up the need for a the need for a savior. If I may just for a couple of minutes review, uh, we were speaking of the fact that why didn't God save sinners without his son having to come and be so maligned and mistreated and beaten up and everything else to save us? It's because we've never seen the heinousness of sin. And we took quite a bit of time on what we were, what we did, how we acted, God's conclusions that all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. The scriptures hath concluded all under sin. God hath concluded all in unbelief that he might have mercy upon all. 
You remember those three references, Romans 3.23, Galatians 3.22, and Romans 11.32. We gave that to you yesterday. And when our Savior died on the cross, he died to put away every sin. Wonderful thing to me to know that. It's not what I see. It's not what I have on the cross that's important. It's what God has. God has tremendous things in the cross. When we come to some of these simple doctrines, we'll be taking that up. But I want to refresh your memory from yesterday and that he, all our sins were laid upon the Savior. And he put them all away, perfectly satisfied the holy character of God for us. See, we can't change God's conclusions but God can change us. Hmm? And that's what he did when we accept the Savior. He made us new creatures in Christ. Or as Corinthians, 2 Corinthians 5 declares, verse 17, we are new creatures in Christ Jesus. Didn't patch us up. Made us entirely, entirely new. And every sin must be forgiven and put away. As I said yesterday in closing up, the marvelous thing is the capacity God has even forget as Hebrews chapters 8 and 10 declare their sins and their iniquities will I remember no more forever and he promised that to Israel back in the Old Testament through Isaiah the prophet and now we have in Hebrews 8 Hebrews 10 the marvelous thing I can never get away from it never get over it that Christ died for me he not only died for my sins, but he died for me, the sinner. Let's get that thing clear in our mind. We're new men, we're new women in Christ. We're no longer children of wrath like the rest. He's forgiven every sin. And he who knew no sin was made sin for me who knew no righteousness that I who knew no righteousness might be made the righteousness of God in him. I'm quoting 2 Corinthians 5.21, Mitchell Version. That's not King James Version. <laughs> Excuse me. Now, I want to continue now from here on. We've got this question. When our Lord bought for us an eternal redemption. Let's, let's not get away from this. He bought for us an eternal redemption. As you have in Hebrews chapter 9, verse 12, he entered once with his own blood into the holy place, and there obtained for us, purchased for us, an eternal redemption. Now, our Lord on the cross cried out, it's finished. In John chapter 17, the first two or three verses, our Lord said, Father, the hour is come. Glorify thy son, that thy son may also glorify thee. Please notice, the central hour of all eternity is the cross. I forget that. When I think of Matthew 26, for example, the first three or four verses, Jesus said to his disciples, in two days is the Passover, and the Son of Man is going to be crucified. Did you notice? Jesus set the time of his death. He set the manner of his death. 
Because the next two or three verses tell us that the leaders of Israel gathered together, had a committee meeting. And they were devising how they could kill Jesus. They were scared of the multitudes, but they wanted to kill him, but not on the feast. That would never do, to kill him on the feast. And Jesus set the time, two days, Passover. Son of man's going to be crucified. So I like that verse in John chapter 10, you remember. No man taketh my life from me. I have power to lay it down. I have power to take it again. This commandment have I received of my Father. And again, may I remind you that more than 40 times in John's gospel, our Lord spoke of the fact that he was sent on a mission. That's why when you come to John 17, around verses 17 and 18, you remember, I have finished the work you gave me to do and so on. Now, Father, sanctify these men. I'm going to leave them. Sanctify them through thy truth. Thy word is truth. As, as thou hast sent me into the world, even so send I them into the world. And because I know what the world is, I sanctify myself that they might be sanctified through the truth. I'm quoting John chapter 17, about verses 17, 18, 19, and there. You and I have accepted the Savior. We've been forgiven and cleansed every sin. This ought to make us feel wonderful. Peace with God. Peace. I'm having a service tomorrow for a man I've known for over 50 years. He passed away the day before yesterday. Tuesday night he passed away. And I have his service tomorrow. The last word he said to me when I went to see him was, I'm getting ahead of you. I'm going to be there before you get there. Well, I said, if you get there before I do, you, you'll be sure to introduce me when I enter heaven. <laughs> but you know, we won't need any introductions when we get to heaven. We're just going home. See, death has been defeated. The marvelous thing that when Christ died on the cross, he put away every sin. Thus, we have not only forgiveness, but a wonderful peace. What's death that he defeated for? translated us, as Christians 1 declares, he translated us out of the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of God's blessed Son. Now, let me come down to what I was going to say. See, I look at you folks and you pull things out of me, don't you? When our Lord died on the cross, he finished the work. Now, there's, three, there's a threefold aspect to that work. He did three things. He paid the price to set us free. This is redemption. Redemption. That great word redemption has to do with sin. And then you have reconciliation. And that has to do with the world. He made peace for the world. The third word is propitiation. Can you spell that? Well, you can put it down. Propitiation. Is the propitiation for our sins and not for ours only, but for the whole world. I, I use that verse that I'm quoting from 1 John chapter 2, by the way, the first two verses. So you got these three things now. Redemption has to do with sin. Reconciliation has to do with the world. 
Propitiation has to do with God. That means God's holy character is perfectly satisfied with the work of his son. Now, let me just digress for a moment. I know that in your classes on doctrine and theology, you will be dealing with these, these great truths of redemption, reconciliation, propitiation, justification, and so on. You'll be getting them in other classes. I recognize that, but I'm laying a foundation because very soon I'm going to be taking the rest of the semester on the ministry of the Holy Spirit. There's no use in me talking about the Holy Spirit if you're not settled where you are in Christ. So I'm going to take them up just briefly. I'm going to spend too much time on them. And the Lord keep me from preaching. So I just give you the facts, huh? But I'll preach just the same. When I look at you folks, I think maybe I better do that anyhow. <laughs> All right, now this question of redemption, remember? Over here, redemption has to do with what? We're saying reconciliation has to do with the world and propitiation with? With God. Remember those three things. It is finished. He finished the work of redemption, reconciliation, and propitiation. Now let's look at this question of redemption. Uh, you know, sometimes people say, all are redeemed. No, all are not redeemed. Redemption has to do with liberation. He bought us for himself. Let me give you a few things. Christ himself, the price he paid, you ever stop to think of it? What he endured to save you and me? You know, I can't conceive of it. We've never seen a crucifixion. As I said, yes, he was not only crucified, but he was scourged. And as far as I know, I don't know of any criminal who was going to be crucified was ever scourged. And Pilate thought he would get out of it by scourging him. And then when they saw the, what Jesus looked like after his scourging, with whips that had pieces of metal in it, just tore the flesh of pieces. He expected when they saw Jesus with that crown of thorns and the spittle and all the blood all over him and wrecked, they'd have pity on him and say, that's enough. You can't let him go. He made himself the Son of God. Again, I repeat it. The Jews crucified Christ because of his claims to deity. The Gentiles crucified one in whom they found no fault. It's a question of his character. Now, here we have this question of redemption. The price paid. 1 Timothy 2, 6. Let me get this into your mind again. 1 Timothy chapter 2, verses 5 to 6. And will you also put down Matthew chapter 20, verse 28. The Lord came not to be ministered unto, but to minister, and to give his life a ransom for many. And you young people, please never minimize sin. When you minimize sin, you minimize the work of Christ. It's got this thing very clear. Sin is an awful thing. That's why when you come to 2 Corinthians chapter 4, the fourth verse, the God of this world hath blinded the minds of those who believe not. 
that the glorious light of the gospel of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine upon him. How often in witnessing to men, I've had men say, well, Mitchell, I'm as good as you are. And I generally say, is that what you're going to tell God when you stand in his presence? Hmm. That's a weak ground to stand upon. Never, never for one moment minimize sin. The wages of sin is death. Not how many sins, but any sin. If you've sinned once, that means death. The law has no mercy. The law was never given to save. The law was never given to help you. The law was given to tell you how you should live, but didn't give you any power to do it. Just remember that, please. Now the word redeem, the second thing I want to say. What does the word redeem mean? It means to, it means to purchase in order to set free. Redemption, it means to ransom us from the slave markets of sin, never again to be for sale. Now, there are three Greek words. I know you don't know Greek. I don't either. Oh, I know one or two words. But the word agorazo means you could buy a slave out of the market. You purchase him. It means to buy. And you could use him as a slave and send him back and take him back to the slave markets and sell him over again. He's still what? He's still a slave. That's not what we have here. Ex agorazo to die out of the market for the purpose of liberation. Let's get this thing very clear. For example, you take Galatians chapter 4, the first three or four verses. In the fullness of time, God sent forth his son, born under the law, that he might redeem those who were under the law, and that they might receive what? Adoption of sons. Exagoraji brought us out of the market, we were slaves to sin and death and hell. And he took us out of the market. He bought us. And we're never again back in the markets of sin. We're never again slaves. But children, get this in your heart. He took slaves to sin. Bought them out of the market. Paid the price. Even cost. Then turn around and made us his children, members of his family, no longer slaves. Unless you want to be a love slave, bond slave, as Paul says in Romans 1, first verse, Paul, a bond slave of Jesus Christ. Glad to be his bond slave. Christ Jesus, your master. We'll take that up again later on. All right. Now, there's another word he uses, apolotrao. Uh, which means to emancipate. Means to emancipate. Like Hebrews, I quote that verse, Hebrews 9, 12. He entered once into the holy place with his own blood, and there purchased for us an eternal redemption. Never to be repeated. Doesn't need to be repeated. Revelation chapter 1, verse 5. 
who loosed us from our sins in his own blood. And one can multiply the scriptures. Our second thing, redemption is ours because of the cross. That's the third thing, pardon me. Redemption is ours because of the cross. A life poured out at Calvary. This is where he paid the price. It's ours. Romans 3.24. Let me give you some scriptures here. Just a sample of scriptures. There are many of them. Romans 3.24. Being justified freely by his grace, without a cause, through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. Colossians 1.14 in whom we have redemption through his blood, even the forgiveness of sins. And you know, I'd like to, if you've got your Bible, send me Courtney's verses. Go to First Peter. First Peter chapter 1. I'd like to read this because it's so precious. First Peter chapter 1. And I'm reading from verse, from verse 18. Verse 18, right on down to verse 21. 1 Peter 1, 18 to 21. Listen to it now. For as much as you know that you are not redeemed with corruptible things as silver and gold from your vain conversation received by tradition from your fathers, but you be redeemed with the precious blood of Christ as of a lamb without blemish and without spot who verily was foreordained before the foundation of the world and was manifested in these last times for you, who by him do believe in God that raised him from the dead, that your faith and your hope might be in God. Here, here is God's purpose right from eternity. Man could never redeem himself. Man is totally, completely lost, incapable do anything. God sent his son to be my redeemer because of the cross. If I only knew what words to say I would tell you If I only knew what 
would tell you of the price he paid. Then I would tell you of my Lord and friend, of how he died for sin and rose again. If I only knew what words to say, I would tell you Thank you for listening to the Unchanging Word Radio Bible Study today. Our teacher has been Dr. John G. Mitchell. You can write us at The Unchanging Word, P.O. Box 398, Dallas, Oregon, 97338. The Unchanging Word is dependent on the support of our listeners. That's The Unchanging Word, P.O. Box 398, Dallas, Oregon, 97338. And so until next time, this is the Unchanging Word radio broadcast. Life begins at Calvary, life at